0: First, I would say we're still super early. It feels to me, like having gone through Web 1 and Web 2, it feels like 96, 97 timeframe in, in crypto right. land. Like, we're, you know, I, I remember dialing into the internet and getting busy, again, right? <laughs> like, ISP didn't have enough phone right. lines. That happened a lot, right? It's busy. Or, yeah. uh, you know, getting disconnected when you're in the middle of a file transfer.
1: And like, there's no way to right, resume. That's certainly it. the experience now trying to make an Ethereum transaction. It
0: is, it's is- exactly the same thing. You like, yeah. you approve yeah. on your ledger and like, you pray to God that it's
1: going it to work little, and you're circling around. Right. Could yeah, happen yeah, exactly. in under
0: a minute, could happen in 10 minutes. Don't really know. <laughs> right. Like, it's just, that was a lot of money I just transferred. So, you know, we're in that same <laughs> space right now.
1: Avalara Next is a free online event for developers looking to build tax compliance into their systems and navigate increasing regulatory complexity. Join them March 30th to learn about Avalara's vision and to connect with their developer community. Register at avalaranext.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk all things software and technology I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, and today I'm going to be joined by an old friend, David Pakman. Uh, we had him on the show once before to talk about crypto, collectibles, NFT, and blockchain. In the time since then, these things have become far more mainstream. They have become far more valuable in some cases, and they've become far more contentious. Uh, they generate a lot of excitement, energy, and um antipathy in the developer community. So David recently uh, made a move from Venrock where he was to join a crypto-focused fund. Uh, We'll have him talk about why he made that decision and then hopefully some of what he thinks is significant and interesting about the underpinning technology here as opposed to the hype uh, that surrounds it. So David, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back, Ben. Great honor. So just to give people a little bit of background, you went uh, to, I believe it was UPenn, Where where did you go to get your? Yeah, you went to UPenn to get your CS degree. You worked for a while in the e music space early on. You worked at Apple. You've done a stint as a traditional venture capitalist. Venrock is one of the oldest uh, VC shops in the game. But recently you joined CoinFund. So tell us a little bit about why you made that jump. Um, and then we'll dive into how you got started with the whole world of blockchain and crypto technology.
0: Yeah, thanks. A lot of people talk about the crypto journey uh, in sort of a similar arc, like sc- curious, but skeptical. You uh, People talk about, you know, going down the rabbit hole <laughs> in a reference to uh, uh, Alice yes. in Wonderland.
1: I have rent myself several times. I've tried Yeah, to-
0: exactly. And then in the, the matrix analogy. So, uh, you know, my journey is, is also a little similar. I started just out of curiosity, running a Bitcoin D node and then starting to try to mine. It got way more serious with Ethereum, uh, where I was mining Ethereum in the basement for years and burning <laughs> a lot of electricity doing that. Uh, right. But that turned out to be a smart investment.
1: Yes. Um, and
0: just trying to follow. Um, Really, the, the developer activity, which is predominantly, you know, as a venture capitalist, you have to, in, in tech, you, you really have to follow developer right. activity as the North Star. And that's really what propelled me. And I attended a few of the ETH developer conferences mm. and talked to people about why they were interested in crypto. And the thing I kept hearing was very similar. It was not about payments and inflation hedges and digital gold. I was developing on Twitter. And then Jack Dorsey shut the API down and my company was wrecked. Mm. Or I built on the Facebook API and then Zuckerberg shut down the entire platform and I had all my code was gone. (laughs) And so there's this... We
1: uh, all feel bad for those Zynga developers. We all feel bad. Totally. Yeah, well,
0: Zynga did fine, but everyone else got host. Yeah, exactly. Um, But I I think the the promise that uh, that lures a lot of software developers to blockchain is, so we're going to replace Apple, Facebook, and Twitter with a blockchain Mm. we're going to take the company out of the equation and we're going to make it software that is completely public that i can have an ownership stake in Mm -hmm. and i can vote about which direction it goes on and i can trust that when i build on these public apis that i'm not going to get the rug pulled out from under me and i kept hearing that over and over again like that that was a common refrain so that's a telling and and logical reason for why yeah. software developers like this st- the space.
1: I do think what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And before there was a backlash, I think one of the things that I noticed was there was an increasing amount of activity on Stack Overflow. People started a lot of Stack exchanges dedicated to first Bitcoin and Ethereum, then Cardano and Solana. You know, all down the chain. And as you said, one of the things that kept coming up was decentralization and openness on the web, which, you know, now we call it web three as sort of like, you know, uh, a way to name this movement. Um, And a lot of it does seem like it's set in opposition to working on a big platform that centralized everything. You know, what's old is new again, you know, it feels like people who are young and have a lot of enthusiasm, maybe they haven't made their name in the software development space, or they want to try something new. This is their chance to like create a version of the web with this new underpinning technology and that's what's sort of exciting to them is the green field that's out there and the chance to maybe un, you know undo some of the mistakes um, that as they see it from the last you know 10 years of technology. Yeah, I think that's a
0: there's a romantic notion to the web3 movement um, but there is a practical one too and it's not just like hey I'm philosophically aligned with the idea as a software developer of building on a platform mm-hmm. where like the whims of a founder can't shut my company down. But mm. there is there's also the uh, the logical um, and rational decision to build on a platform that you get uh, an airdrop grant of tokens in, or you know a, um, <laughs> yeah. a, that, that that conceivably can go up in value if you help make the network more valuable. So so there's this economic right. justification. you know, like I remember when Facebook was considering was talking about their IPO. I was like, well, surely Mark and Cheryl are going to offer shares like a friends and family sale to to the customers in sort of an fu to Wall Street, right? Like, right. The, the, our customers are what built us. Of course, that didn't happen at all. It probably wasn't even discussed. But um right. but that notion that like, hey, we should thank the users here, they should have some some economic stake in what they've built. Not only was right. that not offered at the IPO, but like. It's an anathema. That's not what Facebook believes, uh, but but Web three
1: does. So yeah, I mean, one of the things that has come up on the show repeatedly in the two years I've been doing it, and sort of diving more into the world of software development versus covering technology generally, you know, is the power and speed and scale of open source that people love to contribute there as a way to learn and to grow their reputation, become part of a community, but also that in some ways the ability to ensure that projects are well-funded and well-secured is kind of broken. You know, somebody will create a project, there'll be one or two maintainers, all of a sudden it's being used by 10,000 companies, some of whom are enterprise grade. And then when it breaks, it makes the news because why did this break? Why was everybody relying on this open source project made by one, you know, creative and curious developer in Idaho? So I feel like that is one thing I've sort of thought there's some, maybe some interesting connective tissue between if we all build this thing together, but from the beginning, the maintainers and the contributors are staked in it with a financial reward. That that could be a very sort of interesting turn of the wheel for open source. Absolutely, there
0: there's Web three is built on the shoulders of giants, and all uh, hopefully the, some of the positive things that we've learned with thirty years of you know network software development and open source mm. being a key component there, and, and almost everything in Web three is open source, um, but a couple things that are different that try to address the. I'm not so sure their weaknesses, but just the differences between traditional open source. One is governance. So how no. do you make decisions? Is it just you know Linus uh, Torvalds <laughs> making decisions right from his the first uh, people on the apartment? email list? Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, right. Or is there some voting or you know hierarchical or flat decision making apparatus? And so in Web three, there's the you know, this concept of DAOs where we have somewhat of a representative voting mechanism for deciding Mm -hmm. the direction of software. Don't don't know that it's going to be better, worse, or the same, but it is an experiment. And then the second it's trying to solve is the uh, economic incentive and recognition problem. Uh, Mm -hmm. How do you incent developers to work on it, but also give them proper calibrated recognition for their contributions? Right. And uh, that's trying to be solved through tokenization, and we'll see if those work. I mean, I'm, I'm practical, and, and not, I'm not going to say that they both work great, but certainly right. the economic incentivization of hey, you can get tokens on a project that you're working on, and they might go up in value, seems to have drawn you know one of the reasons why we've got thirty or forty thousand super active developers in the space.
1: So let's talk a little bit about what's happening in the space. Maybe give us your view. Uh, you know, having moved over to a fund what you see that's shown, proven to be, you know, very successful, the kind of thing you could point back to and say, like, if we could find the next one of, you know, if we could find the next FTX, if we could find the next Uniswap, you know, it's a great investment. But also like this shows us where the technology is headed and what the next set of developers or, you know, entrepreneurs might create. Yeah.
0: I think there's a difference also between um, where have we seen economic value creation, like high valuations and where is there sufficient users to point to Mm -hmm. like a real market. And first I would say we're still super early. It feels to me, having gone through web one and web two, it feels like 96, 97 timeframe in in crypto land. Like, you know, I I remember dialing into the internet and getting busy, (laughs) right? Like ISP didn't have enough phone lines. That happened a lot, right? It's busy or, uh, you know, getting disconnected when you're in the middle of a file transfer. And like, there's no way
1: to right. resume. That's certainly it. the experience now trying to make an Ethereum transaction. It
0: is, it's is... exactly the same thing. You like, yeah. you approve yeah. on your ledger and like, you pray to God that it's going to work. And you're
1: circling around. Right. Could then, happen yeah, in, exactly. in under
0: a minute, could happen in 10 minutes. Don't really know. Right. Like, it's just, that was a lot of money I just transferred. So, you know, we're in that same <laughs> space right now. And and so I guess I, right. I approach it with that grain of salt. But, we, but there have been there's strong evidence, I think. Of user adoption in a couple of verticals, certainly in uh, you know the the on ramps of crypto, so exchanges and asset management and wallets. Right, we see mm-hmm. you know, somewhere between 100 and 300 million wallets in the world, but but far fewer than that are are active. Like I think we Coinbase reports around nine or ten million. Uh, monthly actives that's just mm-hmm. mostly US right um, so you know are there 30 or and I think has 21 million monthly actives so you know is there 30 or 40 million active people here that, that's a lot but it's also tiny compared to four and a half billion people on the internet so it's really early right but we have seen about two to three trillion dollars of total asset creation that have occurred in in 10 years and that's enormous that's very large. But let's put that in perspective so what we're trying to do here is rebuild aws google compute and azure as you know as as an open Mm. uh you know public blockchain you know crypto enabled stack for building apps we've created about two to three trillion dollars of total economic value here Mm. asset value and i think that easily goes to 20 or 30 trillion so uh you know we're we're trying to recreate the application architecture for the internet plus Crypto eats the global financial system. Plus NFTs eat, you know, intellectual property. So it feels like the total is very big. But the real examples of, of mainstream uh, adoption so far in crypto are NFTs, and it's a small number of people—maybe three to four million total people around the world have bought NFTs. But those three or four million people have spent more than twenty-five billion dollars <laughs> in just the last year, and we're on a run rate. If you look at January's numbers, more than forty billion. You know, the global art market is like forty-five billion. I think it was 60 at its peak, but it's shrunk a little bit because of COVID, but still like that's enormous global gaming markets, 180 billion, you know, we're getting to a quarter of it in their first year of NFT activity. So it's an indicator of, of likely large area for consumer adoption.
1: Right, right. Yeah. You and I discussed this last time and I think people, you know, have strong feelings about NFTs. Maybe I could get your thoughts in a minute about the Marlin Spike blog post um, and his sort of cut cutting attack on Web3. but the focus on art and fine art and whether or not it's worth something maybe misses the larger point, which is that people love collectibles of all kinds, both the social signal and their you know, use as an asset. And so while NFTs and Bored Ape have kind of, I think, dominated the conversation, whether or not they're worth anything as art. As you point out, there is sort of a very human, very intrinsic mechanism there that probably has a lot of headroom to expand into new categories and new uses.
0: Yep. I think that NFTs and gaming are, you just can't argue with consumer behavior. You can try to judge it. Like I remember in 2008, <laughs> right. you know, we all said like, why are these kids posting pictures of their lunch on Twitter or Instagram? Right, right. But, You know, it's what we're doing <laughs> and I'm not making a value judgment. I mean, so I'm not saying social media was great for our democracy. I don't think it it is, Right. but it's created, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars of wealth. And so similarly, like, I'm not saying that everyone should own a board Ape or a crypto punk. But you know, twenty thousand people do, and those things are worth a couple, you know, billions of dollars, and that's what consumers are doing with their money. And so, our job is to is to look at it. Uh, On on your question about
1: Moxie Marlinspike, Moxie, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, like again, going back to it's nineteen ninety six, and so I was really upset at the busy signals and the fact that we couldn't, you know, hold a connection and and we couldn't stream high fidelity audio or even video. So a lot of a lot of it needs to be built. We're in the infrastructure building phase, and and it's super immature. And he's right also that a bunch of shortcuts are being taken to try to drive slightly better user experiences. Why do we cache? information and so we don't have to do a lookup right uh, why do we centralize some information because it's easier to ensure it's reliable delivery rather than so developers are creating workarounds to try to deliver a reasonable consumer experience and some things haven't like metamask doesn't do a good job of, <laughs> of of working around the 10 minute time it takes for an ethereum transaction right but that's not a good user experience so we just have a lot more to build uh i don't think any of it was an indictment on the principles behind right. it. It's just a judgment on the fact that we're not there yet.
1: Well, I think one thing that he pointed out and which kind of, yeah, takes aim at you know what you said initially is that a lot of developers are excited about this for the chance to be off a big platform, be free of the decision-making of a CEO or a business, you know, to feel that they were in a distributed open source space, that maybe they had some influence on the building or the governance. Unfortunately, well, not unfortunately, but a lot of users who are jumping headfirst into the NFT space don't realize that they're just sort of surfing on the rails built by these centralized infrastructure providers. And that in reality, you know, unless you're slightly more technical and slightly more involved, you don't really have necessarily those protections or those advantages you discussed.
0: Right. And actually, I think that's what I took away most from it was where is the sort of decentralization health report Mm. for any DAP or web piece of Web3 infrastructure or blockchain Mm. that we're using? How do you know that they're it's been verified that it is decentralized. And right. in, the, in the same way that we scan, I mean, uh, this, the same thing has happened with se- with security and software code, right? Like when I start writing an app today, I'm largely calling the libraries that mm. a whole bunch of other devs have put together. Have I done any validation <laughs> that, that that library is safe and it doesn't have like N- some-
1: NPM would say no. no right, no, for recent sure. Recent history but, would say no.
0: Right, uh, but, but that's why a lot of software is insecure. Because right. someone did no one did that health check. So right. now we have startups that try to scan every library and tell you where there's unpatchable and broken so very similar concerns.
1: Cool. All right. So last thing I wanted to ask you, yeah. If you were, you know, a developer, an entrepreneur interested in getting into the space, you know, what would you recommend? And I guess, you know, then a little bit talk your own book like what are you looking at? Are there recent investments you made you're excited about? And if people want to get in touch with you, you know, what's the best way?
0: Yeah, so I'm at CoinFund and I'm David at CoinFund.io and we're looking at uh, seed stage and sort of series A stage uh, companies on in, in every subsector of crypto. We're mm-hmm. crypto generalists. Uh, we're seeing a lot of activity in and certain certainly NFTs, collectibles and in the NFT financialization, like uh mm-hmm. How do you create DeFi for NFTs? How do you discover prices on assets that don't trade frequently? A bunch of stuff around that. Uh, We're also really focused on DAOs and DAO tooling and DAO infrastructure since, as you point out, we're all trying to organize ourselves into communities that are decentralized and those are DAOs. And yet we have insufficient tools to really do that. How do we take votes? How do we uh, share a treasury. To, to <laughs> Just shout it out in the so, Discord. Everybody raise your hand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's when, that's what's happening now. And so right. uh, I would say those are some areas that we've been pretty heavily focused on lately.
1: Very cool. And have you already made any investments in this space that you think are interesting and you want to shout out? Uh,
0: we have. We're investors in Juicebox and Syndicate, which are mm-hmm. two uh, pieces of Dow infrastructure I'm very excited about. On the NFT uh, financialization stuff, we're investors in Upshot, which is a protocol to try to you know, just price illiquid assets. We're investors in Rarible, which is both an NFT marketplace, but really interestingly is a protocol also that tries to put the entire uh, NFT order book into a Mm. protocol. So anyone could launch uh, an NFT marketplace and everyone has the same inventory, which is a unique
1: Mm. feature of web three that you don't find in web two. Anybody can spin up their own eBay. I like it. Yeah, that's right. All right. Very cool. Well, David, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Uh, yeah. You know, I think you speak very dispassionately uh, and in a very informed way about this stuff. I'm sure there'll be more chances to talk uh, over the next year uh, if the ecosystem continues to develop at the speed and, and you know, with the kind of velocity it, it has been over the last year. So I want to say thanks for coming on. Congratulations on the new gig. And um, yeah, I hope we get a chance to talk to you again soon.
0: Thanks for having me on, Ben. It's great to talk to the awesome Stack Overflow community.
1: all right everybody it is that time of the show we are going to shout out the winner of a lifeboat badge somebody who came on stack overflow and saved some knowledge from the dustbin of history awarded february 7th to m-m find the area of an n-interesting polygon all right if you need the answer to that we've got it for you i am ben popper director of content here at stack overflow you can always find me on twitter at ben popper email us podcast at stack overflow and if you like the show leave us a rating and a review David, remind the folks who you are, what you do, and where they can find you online.
0: I am David Pakman. I'm a managing partner at CoinFund. I am on Twitter at Pakman,
1: P-A-K-M-A-N, and David at coinfund.io. Wonderful. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon.